0: Welcome to Stories of Runeterra. My name is Guy Black, a Ravenhood on the interwebs, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Runeterra by Riot Games. The Riot Games community has crafted an incredible universe full of knowledge, data, to be consumed by you, Each week, we jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Runeterra off of the Riot Games universe site. Think of this whole thing as like an audiobook of League stories and lore by yours truly. This week's story, and another fan request, thank you all, is Vel'Koz, the Eye of the Void. And now, for my terrible impression.
1: Only by destruction is truth
0: revealed. It is unclear if Velkaz was the first Void-born to emerge on Runeterra, but there has certainly never been another to match his level of cruel, calculating sentience. While his kin devour or defile everything around them, he seeks instead to scrutinize and study the physical realm and the strange warlike beings that dwell there, for any weakness the Void might exploit. But Velkaz is far from a passive observer. Striking back at threats with deadly plasma, or by disrupting the very fabric of the world itself. Thanks again for tuning in to the Stories of Runeterra podcast. I appreciate all you guys who jump in every week and listen. Um, there's quite a few of you. Uh, I mean, by comparison to what I expected this little thing to be. So, you know, I can't express your uh, my appreciation enough for you guys tuning in. So thanks again. And if you got a champion you want me to read or you'd like to hear the lore of, then hit me up on social media or respond to anything. You guys know how to get a hold of me. Uh, and let me know. We're on champion 80. I did a couple doubles at the beginning, and those were like... So we're probably closer to like the 90th champion, so... Wow. Anyway, thanks for listening, and... Yeah. To the story. To truly understand the horror that is Velkaz, one must first know of the Watchers, and how they were blinded to the mortal realm. Beyond the material plane, outside and somehow below it, lies the unknowable abyss. It is the realm of the void, where no mortal or immortal creature may ever walk. It is not necessary to know how such a place ever came to be, nor why, only that it did. The void is eternal, and the void consumes all. In that place, in the cold, endless dark, all is equal and empty— For timeless eons there was purity in that fact, there was peace, if such a term could have any meaning there. Then something changed, not in the void realm, but elsewhere. It was existence, it was something, where before there had only been nothing, and its mere presence scraped against the vast, cold, formless entities that drifted in the blackness, Before this, they had not even been fully aware of their own sentience, and yet now they knew that they could not tolerate the presence of this other place, this other realm of mercurial, overwhelming creation. The entities watched. They scrutinized. And soon enough, the watchers found themselves being scrutinized in return. The tiny mortal minds that reached out to them were insignificant, little more than fleeting motes of light at the very edges of the abyss. Yet, in them, the watchers saw a chance to invade the material realm, to destroy it, to silence the intolerable pulsing of reality beyond the void. The boldest of them tore open the veil and hurled themselves upward, only to be horribly disoriented by the sudden shift between the abyss and the corporeal, linear nature of reality. In an instant, there was time and heat and pain then there was only cold the way was shut and dozens of the watchers were trapped in the liminal space between two realms frozen in the moment of transition those that remained in the void recoiled they had no concept of what had happened yet they knew they had been betrayed and so they adapted Reaching into the material realm the Watchers took from the crude matter that comprised it, shaping, corrupting, and imbuing it with consciousness. These constructs were the first of the Voidborn, and would be their master's eyes and ears sent forth into the nightmare of existence to watch, listen, and learn. Among them, one stands apart. As perhaps the oldest surviving Voidborn, certainly existing the longest outside the Abyss, he has been known by countless names to those unfortunate enough to encounter him. Thousands of years before Akathia unleashed the Void in battle, the primitive creatures of Sharima feared the devil Velkos, who crept forth from the underworld to steal the dreams of wiser men. Though his name has no literal translation in the modern tongue, it equates roughly as to understand by unmaking." His insatiable hunger for knowledge has led Velkaz across the world to its highest peaks and darkest depths. Cunning and methodical, he has quietly watched entire civilizations rise, stagnate, and decay, spent centuries combing the ocean floor for its secrets and even scrying the movements of the stars in the heavens above him. He carries all of this knowledge back to the great rifts in the fabric of rune Terra so that the Watchers might know what he knows and will annihilate without hesitation any mortal who stands in his path. For the void is eternal, and it will consume all. Today's story is called A Different Hunger, written by Ian St. Martin. With a kiss to my wife and resting my spear against my shoulder, I joined my fellows as we left this village. The morning was new. Dawn stretched through the thick forests of the Torkogol as the six of us made our way to the watchpoint by a worn, dirt path. We were traveling light, as our vigil would only last until the next moon before the next band of spearmen took our place. Torkogol shared borders with Noxus and its increasing belligerence of late had stirred the house lords to ensure that all of their spears were horned. Our journey was short and uneventful, a soldier's dream. The better part of a half-day's march brought us within sight of the outpost. We pointed at the signal fire which was lit, welcoming us with a column of thin white smoke. The mood among my comrades was light, the easy talk of bonded brothers and neighbours. Though our duty was to watch over the frontier in search of any sign of it, war in Tocogol was a distant thought. When we arrived, we found the gates of the stockade open and unbarred. Yet, not broken or forced, an odd feeling crept over us, like a chill dancing up our spines. I could see it in the others, just as surely as I felt it in myself. We formed a tiny shield wall, two ranks of three men, and entered the stockade expecting to find a slaughter, ruin, and destruction with signs of noxious for all to see. But we found none of these. What we discovered was the picture of an outpost no different than any other. The fires had crackled down to embers beneath the cooking pots that were still full. Clothes hung drying and the lanterns were still on their poles from the night before. We looked at each other in alarm in confusion. It was as if our comrades had simply disappeared. What could have happened here? whispered Bell. Our walls straightened and broke as we searched the outpost for any sign of life. Could they have been captured? asked Ulrich. I approached a wall of the stockade. A strip of the timber was burned blacker than pitch. I reached toward it, and the barest touch of my fingertips sent it crumbling, revealing a crater of smooth wood underneath. The others found similar marks across the camp, though none of us could fathom how they had been made. A cry sent us all back into a warrior's crouch. Come quick! It was Afron. We ran to him, finding him standing over our body. It's Harlin, he said, looking at us. The Tanner's boy! The young man was pale, lying foetal on the ground. We saw no sign of battle on him, no blood, no wounds. I drew my knife. Sitting on my hunches, I brought the blade beneath Harlan's nose. The day was cold, and shallow puffs of breath clouded the steel in a slow, slitted rhythm. Yet he lives, I said, reaching for his shoulder. We leapt away as soon as I rolled him onto his back. Harlan's eyes were open, yet there was nothing there, from what we could tell he was conscious but his right eye simply stared up at the sky empty of light that was not what we had recoiled from by the gods ulric breathed afron spat to avert evil and we joined him where Harlan's left eye had been only a dark pit remained i had seen enough battle in my time to know the tell tales of a spear or a blade but no weapon I knew could have made such a wound. It was. it was too clean. too precise for battle disordered frenzy. No pain marked the f- boy's face from the horrific injury. What could have done this to him? Bell demanded. Some beast? A plague? We shrank back from the body as t- at the thought. No. Kair frowned. His hand straying to the satchel of herbs and poultices at his waist. No sign of festering. This wasn't a disease. Find the others, ordered Bell. Now! One by one we found them. These were men we knew, men of our village who sold fish and hammered steel, all bore the same wound to their left eye, all reduced to the same catatonic state. They appeared almost serene, and all the more horrifying for it. Afron looked to Bell. What do we do? We must give warning, said Ulrich. Of what? asked Kaer. We have no idea what is happening here. They argued. Voices clashed and overlapped. Above it all, I noticed the smell of smoke in the air. Wait! The other stopped, looking back at me. I-, I swallowed. If they are all in this state... I pointed back to the signal file behind us. Then, who lit the big Ulrich was in the air before we knew what was happening. A blinding flash stole my sight, but I glimpsed a huge, darkened shape against it. Oaths, prayers, and curses filled the air from my comrade's lips. They were silenced by a crack like a bullwhip, followed by an overwhelming, fizzing shriek. When I could see clearly again, I was on the ground. I looked to see my legs, splayed, broken. Other warriors, my brothers and friends, lay staring up at the sky above. I heard only one other voice, and turned, and I could only watch as Afron, a youth of barely sixteen, struggled beneath a monster, bathed in harsh violet light, he writhed as one of its appendages sank into his skull through his eye, his screams stopped as he became a mere husk like all the others, and then the monster turned its baleful gaze in my direction, in an instant, it was looming over me. I looked up into that single swollen eye and sensed a hunger beyond imagining, a hunger not of flesh but of something far deeper. My soul teetered on the edge of this abyss, its merciless hunger pulling. No, I am Hannes Kidan, a warrior of the Spear of Tokogol. I refuse to give it the satisfaction of my cries, even as its tentacle knife down through my eye, there was no pain.
1: As I work, the analysis can inflict pain, should I desire it. But that is not critical here. I have learned much of pain and its uses. This one's information is precious. As all knowledge is, oh, a settlement, interactions, castes, a particular female of the species, and offspring. This one resists my analysis of those, but it is a simple thing to overcome. With nothing more to consume, I travel here to disseminate what I have collected. The rift beneath me is a conduit for information to be cast into the true realm. The creatures that inhabit this world have destined our domain as the void. Such curious poetry these entities weave, a curiosity that illustrates how far my task is from completion. A universe of knowledge surrounds me, a great power on distant lands, and I shall collect it all. I offer this information now, and all of the rest to come. Accept, consume, learn...
0: Today's story is called A Different Hunger, written by Ian St. Martin. With a kiss to my wife and resting my spear against my shoulder, I joined my fellows as we left this village. The morning was new. Dawn stretched through the thick forests of the Tor Kogol as the six of us made our way to the watch point by a worn dirt path. We were traveling light, as our vigil would only last until the next moon before the next band of spearmen took our place. Tocogol shared borders with Noxus, and its increasing belligerence of late had stirred the house lords to ensure that all of their spears were horned. Our journey was short and uneventful, a soldier's dream. The better part of a half-day's march brought us within sight of the outpost. We pointed at the signal fire which was lit, welcoming us with a column of thin white smoke. The mood among my comrades was light, the easy talk of bonded brothers and neighbors. Though our duty was to watch over the frontier in search of any sign of it, war in Tokogol was a distant thought. When we arrived, we found the gates to the stockade open and unbarred. Yet not broken or forced, an odd feeling crept over us, like a chill dancing up our spines. I could see it in the others, just as surely as I felt it in myself. We formed a tiny shield wall, two ranks of three men, and entered the stockade expecting to find a slaughter, ruin and destruction with signs of noxus for all to see. But we found none of these. What we discovered was the picture of an outpost no different than any other. The fires had crackled down to embers beneath the cooking pots that were still full clothes hung drying and the lanterns were still on their poles from the night before. We looked at each other in alarm, in confusion. It was as if our comrades had simply disappeared. What could have happened here? whispered Belle. Our walls straightened and broke as we searched the outpost for any sign of life. Could they have been captured? asked Ulrich. I approached a wall of the stockade, a strip of the timber was burnt blacker than pitch. I reached toward it, and the barest touch of my fingertips sent it crumbling, revealing a crater of smooth wood underneath. The others found similar marks across the camp, though none of us could fathom how they had been made. A cry sent us all back into a warrior's crouch. Come quick! It was Afron. We ran to him, finding him standing over our body. It's Harlin! he said, looking at us. The Tanner's boy! The young man was pale, lying fetal on the ground. We saw no sign of battle on him, no blood, no wounds. I drew my knife. Sitting on my hunches, I brought the blade beneath Harlan's nose. The day was cold, and shallow puffs of breath clouded the steel in a slow, slitted rhythm. Yet he lives, I said, reaching for his shoulder, We leapt away as soon as I rolled him onto his back. Harlan's eyes were open, yet there was nothing there. From what we could tell, he was conscious, but his right eye simply stared up at the sky empty of light. That was not what we had recoiled from. By the gods, Ulrich breathed. Afron spat to avert evil and we joined him. Where Harlan's left eye had been... Only a dark pit remained. I had seen enough battle in my time to know the tell-tales of a spear or a blade, but no weapon I knew could have made such a wound. It was—it was too clean, too precise for battle, disordered frenzy. No pain marked the boy's face from the horrific injury. What could have done this to him? Bell demanded. Some beast? A plague? We shrank back from the body as t- at the thought. "'No,' Kair frowned, his hand straying to the satchel of herbs and poultices at his waist. "'No sign of festering. This wasn't a disease. "'Find the others,' ordered Bell. "'Now!' "'One by one we found them. These were men we knew, "'men of our village who sold fish and hammered steel, "'all bore the same wound to their left eye, "'all reduced to the same catatonic state.' They appeared almost serene, and all the more horrifying for it. Afron looked to Bell. What do we do? We must give warning, said Ulrich. Of what? asked Kaer. We have no idea what is happening here. They argued. Voices clashed and overlapped. Above it all, I noticed the smell of smoke in the air. Wait! The others stopped, looking back at me. I swallowed. If they are all in this state, I pointed back to the signal file behind us. Then, who lit the big? Ulrich was in the air before we knew what was happening. A blinding flash stole my sight, but I glimpsed a huge darkened shape against it. Oaths, prayers, and curses filled the air from my comrade's lips. They were silenced by a crack like a bullwhip, followed by an overwhelming, fizzing shriek. When I could see clearly again... I was on the ground. I looked to see my legs, splayed, broken. Other warriors, my brothers and friends, lay staring up at the sky above. I heard only one other voice, and turned. And I could only watch as Afron, a youth of barely sixteen, struggled beneath a monster Bathed in harsh violet light, he writhed as one of its appendages sank into his skull through his eye. His screams stopped as he became a mere husk like all the others. And then, the monster turned its baleful gaze in my direction. In an instant, it was looming over me. I looked up into that single swollen eye and sensed a hunger beyond imagining. A hunger not of flesh, but of something far deeper. My soul teetered on the edge of this abyss, its merciless hunger, pulling. No, I am Hannes Kidan, a warrior of the Spear of Tokugol. I refuse to give it the satisfaction of my cries, even as its tentacle knife down through my eye, there was no pain. As I work, the
1: analysis can inflict pain, should I desire it, but that is not critical here. I have learned much of pain and its uses. This one's information is precious, as all knowledge is. A settlement, interactions, castes, a particular female of the species, and offspring. This one resists my analysis of those, but it is a simple thing to overcome with nothing more to consume i travel here to disseminate what i have collected the rift beneath me is a conduit for information to be cast into the true realm the creatures that inhabit this world have destined our domain as the void such curious poetry these entities weave a curiosity that illustrates how far my task is from completion a universe of knowledge surrounds me a great power on distant lands and i shall collect it all i offer this information now and all of the rest to come Accept. Consume. Learn.